13, the roots of peace preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Memorial Sunday, May 25, 1975, the text, Colossians, the third chapter, the 15th verse, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The book of Colossians, the third chapter, beginning to read at the 12th verse. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience, forbearing one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. On this Memorial Day weekend, when we pause to give thanks and remember the many, many people who have paid the supreme sacrifice in fighting in wars to protect America, to defend liberty, and to promote justice, we cannot help but in this period of God's history ask the question, how long will it before we can have peace on earth and goodwill to all mankind. So many people have died. So much suffering has been known. And even yet, in our today, in our nation, throughout the world, there are wars and rumors of war. And on this particular weekend, when we are celebrating Memorial Day in our land, the first time in a rather peaceful calm, this morning in the Middle East, great fighting broke out between the Israelis and the Lebanese. When will it see? It seems as soon as we put out one fire, another comes. There's a threat. There's a challenge. There's a response. We wonder how we get into the situations. But then suddenly we wake up to realize that we're in war and that peace is just as far away as it was when that first person died in the first war many years ago. <coughs> peace 
peace that seems to be so evasive in our society. And it's not because we don't want it. At least many people talk about peace. Hitler wanted peace and he promised the Nazis a thousand years of it. Remember that? Japan, she wanted peace. That's why she went to war. The Soviets, they want peace on their terms. We want peace only if it's honorable, our statesmen say, whatever that is. They even said that Teddy Roosevelt, that rambunctious individual in American history, he wanted peace as long as it didn't interfere with his fighting. I know people like that. We all say we want peace, but just talking about peace never brings it to fruition. Talking about peace no more brings peace than talking about hunger satisfies, or talking about food satisfies a hungry person. Talk is cheap, and even talk about peace never brings peace. The Bible says that peace is a fruit, a byproduct. It is something that comes as a result of doing something else. Now, we all know before we can pick fruit, we have to plant roots. And there are certain roots that make for peace. And on this holiday weekend in this holy place, I would want you to think with me about those particular roots of peace. The verse being, Reconciliation with God. There will never be peace in the earth as long as there is trouble in nations. And there will never be peace in nations as long as people are individually disturbed. And people will never know peace from their individual disturbances unless they have what the Bible calls the peace of God, which can be gained only through reconciliation. You see, we are people, according to Harley Swiggum, who takes it from the Bible, that have been made to be in harmony with God, with ourselves, with each other, and with the whole wide earth. But because of our sin, which is just another word for our selfishness or self-centeredness, we have brought into that harmony a discord and have made it disharmony. Consequently, we bring trouble to ourselves, to our families, to our businesses, to our nation and to the whole world because we're trying to find that peace which us passeth all understanding, but which is impossible for anyone who feels separated from God. And that's exactly what you and I have when we have within us an uneasiness, when we have a sense of wrongness, when we have a hunger for rightness, when nothing seems to go right and we come to the conviction that the world would be far better without us. Those are merely symptoms of the guilt or the sense of guilt that is within man. And as long as you and I have unresolved guilt in our lives, we're not at peace. And it's only a matter of time until that war, 
that is going on within us breaks out within our family relationships, without the community, we're unbearable, and we trail off the idiosyncrasies in other people's guilt to the place where they no longer are living at peace, but are at war as well. It's a contagious type of thing. And it begins only when we have as individuals the peace of God within us. And that is possible only through the reconciliation known through Jesus Christ. God was in Christ, the Bible says, reconciling the world unto himself. And when we take this guilt that we have within us and turn to Jesus, and ask for forgiveness, then, as Paul says, we are justified by faith and we have the peace of God. You see, that's the wonderful story that we find in the prodigal son parable. It wasn't there in an acceptance of the pigsty or growing accustomed to living in the far country. It was only when the prodigal got up, came to himself, and came back home and said to his father, I have sinned in thy sight, and am no longer worthy to be called thy son. Only then did the lights go on, the party begin, and peace was again known in that house. That is what it takes for us to have peace with God. Reconciliation. Reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ. That's one route. Another one, responsibility to a task. Our Lord said, Peace, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Now when Jesus said that, he was not in some ivory tower of detachment. No, he was in the upper room, and it was in the, on the night before he died. And he was carrying the burden of the whole world in his heart. On that night, he gave to us his peace. You see, peace in the Bible, whether it's in the New Testament Greek or the Old Testament Hebrew, is never pictured in a negative way. In other words, it is never seen as an existence that is absent with from trouble and sorrow and distress and tension. No, no. Instead, peace, as far as the Bible describes it, has nothing to do with how you feel, but rather a relationship that is right between man and God, a relationship that is so right that neither tension, sorrow, distress, or any calamity can make it less. A relationship that is right with God. That's what peace means in the Bible. And that's what Jesus had. He knew who he was. He was the Son of God in whom his Father found much pleasure. He knew that he had a job to do and his responsibility to was to put his hand to whatsoever providence gave him to do and do it. He was an individual who could face life or death with total peace and calm, simply because he knew who he was. And on that particular night, before he died, Jesus says, this peace, this right relationship that I have with my Father, 
I give it unto you disciples, not as the world giveth, give I peace unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And he gave as an inheritance to any of us who will accept it in faith, the peace that comes when we know that we are sons of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that we have a place on this earth and a responsibility to fulfill the mission which God has given us to do. That's the inheritance which we have. That's the peace that you and I have been given. Jesus does not give us a simple formula or a technique or a suggestion how we might find peace. No. He gives peace. My peace I give unto you. And if in faith we are willing to accept the fact that we are sons and daughters of God and that we have responsibility to a God-given task, we know who we are. And we are in a right relationship with God through our faith in Jesus Christ. That's a root of peace. You'd be surprised how you can stand before all sorts of turmoil, trouble, distress, and sorrow. And yet in the midst of that storm, find a calm, a peace that passeth all understanding. As Isaiah, as Isaiah says, Thou wilt keep them in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, who's in a right relationship with God and knows who he is, a person responsible for a task. Reconciliation, responsibility, righteousness in human relations. That's another root. Righteousness. Ah, what a word. It's righteousness that exalteth the nation. Sin is a reproach to any people, saith the proverb. Righteousness. Take a Bible concordance sometime and look that word up. <coughs> and you'll find that as you study that word, as it evolves down through Scripture, that it is closely related to peace. As the psalmist says, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. What did our Lord say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all other things, including peace, I might add, shall be granted unto you. We wonder why we have not more peace in the world. Perhaps if we were a little more righteous in our relations, with husband, wife, children, employees and employers, with our statesmen, with the leaders of industry, government, church. I don't know what it is with us. We go out and play golf, play tennis. We can be so scrupulous in, in keeping the laws of the sport but when it comes to local, national, international affairs, <laughs> how we think that we can live unrighteously. 
avoid the laws of man and of God. And then we wonder why there's no peace. It's only in doing right with each other that we never expect to find peace on earth and goodwill toward all mankind. Great is the peace, says the psalmist, to those who love thy law. And then there's a fourth, I believe, root of peace, and that's release. Release of our personal faith in Jesus Christ. You see, all of us, I think, know the dynamic of reconciliation. We've certainly heard it enough. I think a lot of us realize that unless we are righteous in our human relationships and unless we have a responsibility for some God-given task here on earth, we're not going to find peace. But for the life of us, it's so difficult to release ourselves into the hands of God, believing that God's way is right. We would much rather listen to the peace which the world affords, those ways which are presented never as counterfeit, though they usually end up less than bringing the peace that we want. There are those always coming before us to try to tell us if we just adjust our attitudes, if we will only manipulate our emotions, if we will just merely accept this or do that, swallow something, we will find that peace. And we would so much quicker listen to those particular prophets of doom as they try to sell us on some other way than the way of God to find peace. What we need is not an explanation of our sins. We need forgiveness. We don't need some form of adjustment. We need conversion. We don't need to be continuously racking ourselves with this guilt. We need a rebirth. We need to hear again and again that there is no other way except the way of God revealed in through Jesus Christ, and then to yield in trust that that is the way. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. But our problem is we're trying to have peace and still fill our lives with trouble and with fear. When are we ever going to learn? In our scripture text of today, let the peace of God rule your hearts. What's it going to take for us to let go and let God? And to come to the realization that this is God's world, he knows those things that make for peace, and if only we will follow him. But no. Now we think we know better. We think we can do it in a better way. So we keep on tripping over the same disappointments that our forefathers knew. We keep trying to do it in a way which just will never work. And then we do what none other 
and no other of God's creations do. We organize people to kill our brothers and sisters. Now when God entered on that Palm Sunday the city of Jerusalem, he cried. He cried over as he looked at that great city which he had created and said, Oh, if you people only knew those things which made for peace. I might be wrong, but I think God in his glorious heaven today is still crying. As he looks down upon this world which he has fashioned and made, this world which he loves, this world to which he sent his son, the Prince of Peace, He's not crying because we do not know the ways of peace. He knows that we do through his Son, Jesus Christ. But I think he's up there weeping, asking, How long? How long shall my people, who are called by my name, continue to fight and argue and hate amongst themselves? And they have been given the way of peace, but refuse to walk in it. Ladies and gentlemen, when is it going to end? It will never end until a group of people, and I'm hoping that some of us are here today, will make up our minds that the next time someone wishes to speak to us an angry word and does so, we decide we're going to try the way of Jesus. The next time somebody wrongs us and hurts us and strikes us and damns us, we follow the teachings of Jesus. The next time someone tries to provoke us to anger because they're angry at themselves, let's follow the way of Jesus. The next time someone asks us to fight simply because they have a civil war going on within them. We speak to them the words of peace that Jesus gave unto us. Folks, peace will never come on this earth until you and I are at peace and until we live as the peacemakers of God. So let's say our prayers. Let's blare the trumpets, listen to the speeches. Yes, let's even pray for peace. But let us above all live as people who are at peace. Amen. Father, we come before you at a very tender time in the life of our nation. We're growing older every day, nearly 200 years of history is behind us. Father, help us in these days to realize who we are and to live peacefully with you and with each other, hoping that that spirit that begins here with us and with God's people who are in love with peace everywhere shall be able to, by your spirit, take that peace even to the uttermost parts of the world. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God,
and the peace and the power of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.